Crude. Yeah. El Crudo. La Creme de la Crude. Felix, go to your room. In fact, you're not safe in any place that contains me and my fist. Now go to your room. You don't frighten me. Did you hear what I said? Go to your room. Did you hear what I said? You don't frighten me. Go to your room. I don't have to take this. I'm going to my room. <laughs> This man is obviously a stooge of management. A corporation puppet. One of those little gray men you see skulking through the halls of any giant cartel. Nameless, faceless men without scruples. Trying to claw their way to the top. I think I speak for this entire court when I say, you make me sick, get off the street. Welcome to another edition of the Retro Room. This week we're talking The Odd Couple, which is very exciting for me. Yes, I've been a big Odd Couple fan, probably one of my top three shows of all time. I haven't done the research like Bob Leschak has. He's our guest this week. He's written a book called The Odd Couple on Stage and Screen, a history with cast and crew profiles and an episode guide. It came out a few years ago, but very relevant because we're talking retro. And we're going to be talking to him about some of the interesting elements of the show that even I didn't know about. The last episodes that were shot and never seen, about what went on behind the scenes, how the show came about, things they didn't want to do, did want to do, Jack Klugman, Tony Randall, all the crew. We're going to get to that in one moment. But let's remind you that my book is out this week on Amazon.com. You can get the print or Kindle version. That's the book Killing Journalism, How Greed, Laziness, and Donald Trump are Destroying News and How We Can Save It out of Willow Street Press. Check it out on Amazon.com. I'll have more information soon about events and related issues. And let's take a moment to thank our sponsors, Jiminy's. Jiminy's makes a delicious dog treat that uses cricket protein. Yes, I said cricket protein. It's better than beef or chicken because it's sustainable. And Jiminy's uses less water and land than beef or chicken. Check them out at Jiminy's.com. That's J-I-M-I-N-Y-S.com. But now let's go to our interview with Bob Leschak. Bob, are you there? I am here. Hello. How are you doing? Great to speak with you. Of course, you're Bob Leschak. You have many hats you wear. In our case, we're talking to you about many of your books you've written about TV. One of my favorite subjects, The Odd Couple. You had The Odd Couple on stage and screen, a history with cast and crew profiles, and an episode guide, which came out, I think, 2014. Yeah, one of the most fun books I've ever written. That was, that was a blast. That was a pleasure from beginning to end. And you do a great history in the beginning, going back to the play written by Neil Simon, which originally did not have Jack Klugman or Tony Randall, although I do see you note that Klugman did do it on Broadway. What is it about The Odd Couple that made you want to do this book, and what what does it have that maybe both Odd Couple fans would find interesting and non-fans might make them read it? Well, I was very lucky while writing the book. I, I've always liked the series, even when it was brand new on Friday nights on ABC. And I got very lucky while writing the book because there was a renewed interest in the show because of the brand new version that came out with Thomas Lennon and Matthew Perry right. that lasted for three very short seasons on CBS. But it renewed the interest and brought the name back again of The Odd Couple. 
And uh, it's never really gone away because there have been sequel movies and there have been different versions on Broadway, including the all-female version of The Odd Couple. And all all of that is touched upon in the book. But the uh, actual character of uh, Felix Unger actually didn't begin in The Odd Couple. It began in another uh, Neil Simon play. And he was an off-screen character that uh, just yelled a few things out. And uh, it's funny because the character of Felix Unger in the play, plays in the plays is spelled U-N-G-A-R but uh, on the television series they changed it to Unger U-N-G-E-R for whatever reason but uh, the TV series still runs in syndication and that is good news because it keeps the interest in the book alive and the book is still available wherever books are sold online and what did you find first of all were you a big Odd Couple fan when this started because I have been a long time uh, or did it something pique your interest with you said the, uh, the new remake did that pique your interest into it or were you a long time fan uh, going back Oh, I was a longtime fan. Like I said, I had watched it when it was new, and I loved it uh, in its original form on Friday nights on ABC. It was never a ratings success. The best it ever did in any of its seasons was number 36. Really? Uh, Yeah. It it was the only time it made the top 40 for the year. And technically, the show was canceled every year that it was on, but uh, it was a cheap show for ABC to produce, and so they kept bringing it back because they had nothing else. Everything else was very expensive, and we kind of got lucky because the show kept coming back for five seasons and almost came back for a sixth. In fact, the final episode, I won't spoil it for those who have never seen the final episode, but they did two different versions of it. I wonder where the other version went because it has never surfaced. Not well, even I, don't think you're, I don't think you're rooting for people. The final episode's Felix and Gloria get remarried yes but there um, is a very the, bad with, with my uh, my cohorts and i think of a very weak premise where the roof starts to leak and and it gets to be kind of a uh, an old-fashioned sitcom joke where they're getting married with this leaky roof and but i think a lot of people figured that that's the way it should end well that. and if the original, you said there was an uh, alternate ending there was and uh, it has never surfaced but they did film too just in case they got renewed for a sixth season they were going to have them not get married just Ah. to continue the story and uh i guess somebody wiped that uh, that video of it because it just doesn't seem to exist or it's buried in a vault somewhere but i would love to see that that would that would be a true treasure to to dig up somewhere but so far no luck but uh, anyway uh, getting back to your original question about the show, yeah, I, I loved it when it was new. I loved it in reruns, and I'm glad that it still has such a nice following because those those five seasons, especially the four seasons with the live audience, yes, were just wonderful. The first season was a little iffy. The, the uh, they, they rallied both Jack Klugman and Tony Randall rallied for a live audience because they were both stage performers and they needed that input from the audience, the immediate applause and laughter. Uh, to to egg them on on stage, because they were used to that. That's what they did. Even early on in the early 1950s, Tony Randall was in a live TV sitcom that ran for a while, a very popular one called Mr. Peepers. Yes. And so he he was very used to that kind of thing, and not with the laugh track, which the first season was. And they were rather uncomfortable with that. And they had to, you know, rearrange the entire set for that when they did that because of the the moving camera. And to accommodate the audience, it it worked out well. In fact, right from that first live episode, well, not live, but uh, live audience episode, the show just came to life much like what happened on Happy Days. Yes, Happy Days started with with laugh track. 
yeah, live audience as well. If you notice a huge difference, and especially the, the building up of the Fonzie character, yes. uh, the same kind of thing. It just came to life. And both of them, coincidentally, are Gary Marshall shows. Yes, and we could uh, get into that. What was it about the non-live audience approach that they didn't like? Because the movie, The Odd Couple, which I think in many ways is very different, the Walter Matthau, Jack Lemmon movie, it has much of the same humor, but the TV show, the original season with no audience, no live audience, has some of the same kind of sensibility as the movie in that it's almost inside one-on-one humor that doesn't really play off the audience. Um, and well, and also, in a live audience they, for TV, you have to play off the audience. Some of the characters, too, were taken right from the movie in that first yes. season, the Pigeon Sisters. Pigeon Sisters. And if you look at the way the apartment was set up, they had those gates in the apartment. Much It was like copied exactly from the movie. But like I said earlier, they had to kind of gut the entire stage and, and recreate it for the for easier camera flow when they went to the live audience episodes from season two through season five. But uh, if you look at that first season, it is almost identical uh, as far as the set to what was in the movie. And do you know how did it come about and who was Gary Marshall at the time? Was he a well-known uh, TV producer or how did he get involved and how did it get to the small screen? Gary Marshall had done several other things. He had written for the Danny Thomas show, mm-hmm. Make Room for Daddy. He had written for the Joey Bishop show and even uh, some of the Dick Van Dyke episodes, Dick Van Dyke show episodes. And he got his own series in 1966 called Hey Landlord with United Artists, which aired on Sunday night with Will Hutchins and Sandy Barron. And it was uh, it was a decent show. Most of those episodes are still around on YouTube if you want to check them out if you've sure. never seen it. But it only lasted one season. It had its moments. It was never great, but uh, there was more greatness ahead for Gary Marshall. And the, really the, the first series that he had success with was The Odd Couple in 1970. And actually, it's, it's funny because on that Thursday night when The Odd Couple debuted, there were two Neil Simon sitcoms on ABC back-to-back that night. And in the 9 o'clock slot was Barefoot in the Park, the all-African-American version of that, which didn't fare very well. And then following that at 9.30, it was The Odd Couple. That was the one that survived for five seasons, but barely, (laughs) Uh, because the ratings were never good. But they were uh, a lot better than Barefoot in the Park, which was a disaster with Joey Mitchell. And the Barefoot in the Park, was it a comedy based on the play? It was, but with an African-American cast. And uh, there was a lot of turmoil behind the scenes, behind the set. Joey Mitchell and the producers were were, were not in sync and uh, even came to fisticuffs. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, so that that was one of the reasons that ended early. But the odd couple, uh, we were, were so lucky, uh, got to survive and got to really establish itself in the, in the second season. And was it something Gary Marshall came up with where he liked the play and went to the TV folks with it? Or was it something TV said this was a hit on Broadway and in a movie? We have to bring it to the small screen. I think it was just Gary Marshall being an opportunist. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the movie had come out in 68, and he said, what a great premise for a a television series. I think we can do a lot with it. There's so much potential. There's so much fodder. There's so much material there. The the hard part was coming up with the stars for the show. They went through a lot of people, including Mickey Rooney almost got the part. Jack Carter was almost cast in the show. But uh, they finally came up with Tony Randall and Jack Klugman, and they hit pay dirt. They got magic. And, of course, Jack Carter made an appearance, I believe, on one or two episodes. 
Yes, he did very, very late in the run. And he also did it on stage. He did uh, some uh, touring shows, uh, Odd Couple, what do you call it, touring companies with with the Odd Couple, but never got to star in the TV show, but came close. I I got to talk to him. In fact, there's some quotes from him about that in the book. That he would have played Oscar? Yes, yes. Yeah, he would have been a good Oscar. I could see that. (laughs) Absolutely. He plays that kind of sensibility. But as you mentioned before, the Pigeon Sisters were the only uh, characters from the movie to be in the TV show. Well, and some of the card players, too, who who became less important later. The The characters were in the show, the poker players, but I don't believe any of them were original players, were they? No, no, no. Not the original, but the original characters from the film. Only a couple of them uh, survived later. Uh, for, for the later seasons, but they really downplayed the poker players yes. in, in later seasons. They didn't really uh, even have a poker game, I don't think. No, no. After the first year or even the first two years, they occasionally had one, and I think they even had a what Oscar termed a reunion that ended up being part of a plot where they kept having to move the game around because yes, things yes. were getting in the way. But you're right, they downplayed that element of it. And they did everything right, everything that, that uh, was kind of holding it back in the first season. They, they got rid of the Pigeon Sisters was kind of unnecessary in the, in the, in the series. Yeah, they, and they were only in a few episodes, I believe, of the TV Right, show. right, the very first ones, yeah. Was there ever any thought of bringing, having Jack Klugman or Walter Matthau do the TV show, or just not something they wanted to do, being film actors, I would assume? Yeah, they, they really didn't want to do television, Jack Lemmon, either. They were approached, but they never got past that uh, that part of it. And, and uh, it's funny because Penny Marshall was kind of the one who was the spark to bring Jack Klugman to the series. She had worked with him on a show called Then Came Bronson, and figured Ooh. she saw him behind the scenes and, and said that would be a great Oscar. He's he's like that. That's really character. She intru- kind of introduced Jack Klugman to her brother Gary, and uh, initially uh, Jack Klugman didn't want to do it. He had done a sitcom in the early '60s called Harris Against the World and did not have a great experience with it. Hmm. Part of a, a three-show block that used to air on Monday nights called 90 Bristol Court. And none of them survived. None of them were successful. They were up against Monday nights uh, on CBS, which were quite a juggernaut with the Lucy Show and the Danny Thomas Show and Andy Griffith. And the shows just didn't make it. So he had a bad experience. He was, he was happier doing film and stage. But uh, they talked him into it. I guess they came up with the right price, steady work, and good thing they did. Now, do you think you said The Odd Couple never reached the top 20 even? No, never. It was the 30s. It was a top 30 show at one point. Season three, it it reached number 36 for the year. That was the biggest success they had. And it's a a wonder it survived. But again, it was a cheap show to produce. And they uh, managed to get five seasons out of it, almost six. And would we have any idea if it would last that long today, given the ratings, demands? You know, if a show isn't isn't doing well right away, it's canned. Yeah, there's, because it's so expensive to do a show nowadays. Right. It's not like back then. Every episode is like millions of dollars of every show, especially uh, ABC, NBC, CBS shows. And if, if you're not garnering some ratings like three, four episodes in, you're, you're pretty well gone. <laughs> they start fresh. They find something else. The sponsors drop out, and uh, they lose money very quickly. So it's not like the old days, and that's why um, they did three short seasons of that new Odd Couple with Matthew Perry. They were unsure if a full season would work, so each season was only 13 episodes. And I think that's the only reason that it made it through three seasons. I don't think it would have, if had, had they given it a full one season, I think that would have been it. I think we got more episodes 
of it out of because of the way they introduced it, the way they produced it and had short seasons. And you said the original Odd Couple TV show was cheap to produce. What what made it cheap to produce? I don't think... Uh, well, I, I know Tony Randall was making the most money, but they, mm-hmm. they weren't making a lot of money, not compared to the sitcoms of today, like uh, On Everybody Loves Raymond, his final season, he was making $2 million an episode. Oh, my gosh. Frazier was making a million dollars for every episode. The, the entire cast of Friends in the final couple of seasons were making a million dollars apiece per episode. It was nothing like that. It was in the thousands. Yeah. So <laughs> with with the live audience, I guess, it was just got done in one night. It wasn't like a show with the single camera with the laugh track where they could take their time and get each scene perfect, mm-hmm. and that would take, like, days and days. This was, you know, done on that one night with a live audience. They were uh, introduced. They went scene by scene right through the entire uh, episode, and it was done. So it was, it was kind of quick to produce, you know, on a weekly basis, and I guess that's what made it uh, less expensive. And you talk in the book about the, the term bromance, uh, two uh, male characters being being close and friends and getting along, and this was one of the first examples of that. It was, it was a big deal, too, yeah. in 1970, which is why, uh, against Klugman and Randall's, uh, they didn't want it, but that's why they introduced the live announcer during the opening credits on November 13th, Felix Unger oh, was to actor. explain that's, everything, yeah. That's, so people wouldn't think they were a gay couple. Right. That's exactly why that was there, and that came in like midway through the first season and lasted through the third season. So the, the first episode doesn't have that. It just has... The first episode does not have that. Interesting. It just has the opening collage. Exactly. Right. If, if you watch on the DVD set, it comes in maybe six, seven episodes in. Just to make clear, this was not a gay couple. But they also exactly. had many plots where they're going out with women. I mean, that was very constant. I mean, even the first right. episode, the, I believe the first episode was the, the laundry orgy where they yes, have the Pigeon, pigeon sisters, sisters over yes, and they're trying to have a date with them and the card game gets in the way and they end up in the laundry room. and That would seem to be pretty obvious that these are two divorced men who are not gay, who are going out with these women, but it was still thought we need something... It was 1970. It's not yeah. like today where every show has a gay character. Yes. It was a whole different era. It was almost 50 years ago, and uh, ABC really wanted that reinforced. So, <laughs> different time. And was how much was Neil Simon involved in the show, if at all? Because I know not he makes at all. a cameo, he, he actually. He is in, in one episode. Yeah. He's in that one episode where he's walking, uh, and Felix and Oscar talk with him in the street. But yeah. that's the only... He, he, in fact, he was, he was rather unhappy that it was being made... Really? Until his daughter, Neil Simon's daughter, said, Hey, Dad, this show is pretty funny. You should watch it. And then he, he kind of turned the corner and uh, realized, Hey, maybe, maybe maybe they're doing it right. He was, I think he was afraid they weren't going to do it justice. But he had no say. Yeah. And it, uh, you know, he, he couldn't put the kibosh on it and say, Hey, you, you can't do this show. In the end, did he end up being a supporter or did he just kind of let it... Yeah, yeah, because he he did get to see, hey, this this is they're doing a pretty good job here. But uh, you know, he he didn't work on the show at all. He had no input. But he d- did have that one episode, that one cameo. Yeah, the other interesting thing was the uh, plot lines were not that different from the film. The only difference I recall is in the film, Oscar has at least one child. I think he has a daughter, or he, there's a mention of him talking to his ex-wife and mentioning his one of his children. And obviously, right. the TV show Oscar doesn't have any children. But and it's does. funny because there's there's a, a a sequel movie and television special like like a reunion right. where suddenly they do have 
uh, Oscar does have children, and it's it's it confuses the whole thing. They they didn't oh, really? continuity was was not Gary Marshall's no. <laughs> best attribute. In fact, I think there's a website devoted to continuity mistakes in the Odd Couple. Oh, and in um, fact, there's a whole section in the book. Too oh, about okay. That. There's another reason people should read is absolutely. And that's there's a lot very of little funny. sections in the back about oh, other other shows that resembled the Odd Couple. There's a section all about uh, all the mistakes, all the continuity flubs over the years, yes. including in that first season. Most times, Oscar is wearing a Mets hat, but in a couple, yes. he's wearing a Yankees hat. Yes. So that's kind of confusing. That you know, they weren't always watching what they were doing. From a previous well, episode. he was a sports writer, so he could possibly have hats for both teams. I mean, that's yeah. But if if, if you look in most episodes, there's that banner of the Mets, and he he yes. was obviously a Mets. Yeah, fan. he has a big. He, there's references to Tom Seaver and and other exactly. Mets, and he's constantly going to Shea Stadium. And right, that makes right. sense. But obviously, in the show, there are lots of continuity. I think they meet about three different ways. They met in the army. Yes. They met on the jury. They met his children. Um, yes, all that is addressed in the book. In the, in oh, the excellent. Yeah. And like you said, Gary Marshall wasn't very, didn't have a big continuity. I think one of the things that Neil Simon might have liked, or and I think holds to the film and, and the play, is Felix's finickiness and medical issues where he has the sinus problems and allergies right, and right. clearing his ears and all these great little ticks that made his character funny in the movie even get bigger on TV, I think. And that would seem kind of unusual for that kind of a sitcom, to have this sort of quirky, misfit character who, in reality is probably very similar to a lot of people. Well, and it's funny because uh, both characters were really similar. Both Klugman and Randall were a lot like their characters. I mean, Klugman really did gamble on oh. the horses. And owned some he horses. Really, and, and owned some horses. Yeah, he was he was a big gambler. Tony Randall was rather finicky, although he uh, did like the occasional beer. <laughs> and uh. Uh, didn't always... You know, he didn't always eat as well as was projected on the series, but, you know, there was a lot of truth in both of them, so there was a lot of typecasting, almost, for both Klugman and Randall. They they were those characters, and they loved those characters. They really bought into it. Was there any effort you found to make any changes or go down a plot line that they rejected or weren't comfortable with, or something they wanted to do that was rejected? Tony Randall wanted to have a lot of guest stars. Hmm. And so they had to write around, like, the opera singers who were on the show. And for, for Klugman, he wanted Howard Cosell on the show. So right. they had to, it, the uh, real onus was on the writers having to, to write around that and, uh, and make it work. And uh, credit to them for doing that, because it really wasn't what they wanted. It was what, uh, they, they were kind of placating both Randall and Klugman to have those guest stars. They both wanted them, but especially for, for Tony Randall wanting to have all those opera stars. It's hard to write comedy around opera, and and they managed to do it somehow and, and very successfully. There were several, not only opera, but obviously classical music. Yes. And ballet with Edward Villela and other, like you mentioned, the opera singers and classical musicians. Even when Roy Clark, who just passed away recently, he came on as kind of a bumpkin uh, fiddle-playing character. At one point, he plays... I believe, a, a Mozart piece. And the writers hated having to write those episodes. Cause it was was not convenient. There was, however, had they had another season, they had an entire episode set to an opera, which was supposed to be hilarious. 
Oh my gosh! Uh, right, writer Buzz Cohan had put it together, but it didn't come together fast enough to make the fifth season. But it would have been hilarious. In fact, there's a l- little taste of it if you ever get to see the Odd Couple album, the Odd Couple Sing. Yes, I've seen that album, sure. There's a large chunk that is set to an opera aria, and it's very funny, and and there would have been an entire episode set to that, kind of like what some of the episodes of Drew Carey's show was doing, where they they would sing through the entire episode and make it almost into a musical. The script was supposed to be absolutely hilarious. Uh, writer Buzz Cohan, who does all of the uh, Oscar award shows. He's an amazing guy who has written songs and written television scripts, and he's done it all over the years. But he uh, is interviewed for the book, and there's a whole uh, story about that, how that almost came to be and would have been absolutely incredible. But but time ran out. So that would have been in the potential sixth season? Yes, or or very late in the fifth season, but Buzz was busy with so many other things, including writing uh, the scripts and the music for the Oscar Awards shows every year. And it just couldn't come together fast enough to to make the deadline. But it would have been hilarious. It would have been an entire opera in the sense of the the famous Italian operas? Exactly. Or would it have been more modernized? Probably more modernized, with a a lot of room for comedy. Uh, But they would have been singing through the whole show? Yes. (laughs) That sounds like that could have come off very funny. That would have been great. And why didn't it just, was something they they never got to? Yeah, uh, like I said, there was a a deadline where they had to have the scripts in, and Buzz just didn't get it together with the music and everything in time. He eventually completed it, thinking there would be a sixth season, Mm. but uh, that didn't happen. Never got to see the light of day. A lot of shows, as you know, do take chances with creative shows. I know there was a Happy Days, although you can talk about how the Happy Days really fell apart in the last few seasons. Oh, yeah. There was a Happy Days. They jumped the shark, yeah. Yes, but even, even before what the show contends jumping the shark meant, they did a show, I think, in the last season where it was kind of a musical, and it really didn't come off well. But no. some shows, as you know, uh, do some thematic things. I know there was a Seinfeld episode that worked backwards that was very creative, I thought. But The Odd mm-hmm. Couple never never got into that kind of, let's do a show about this or that. Um, yeah, it was, they it was did too flashbacks. early. Had, had they been around maybe a decade yeah. later, they might have. And maybe they didn't but need they, to do it. It was such a well-done show. Right, right. There, there was so much there with the characters. But, I mean, they did do some interesting episodes like the Let's Make a Deal and the Password episode and yes. the Monty Hall episode where they're on his show. And they did take a lot of chances with uh, those things, and they came off very funny. And they did some flashbacks, too, which were kind of unusual at the time, weren't they, or no? Yeah, the, the only one, uh, Dick Van Dyke show had done a, a lot of those flashback shows, looking back to when Richie was born and looking back to when he had uh, was supposed to marry Laura. And I guess that was the Gary Marshall influence. He really liked the flashback. And uh, unfortunately for the odd couple, it, it led to a lot of continuity problems. But uh, continuity be damned, uh, it, it all came together and gave me a, a nice big section to write about in the back with all <laughs> All the, you'd be amazed how many things are in there that were overlooked unless you're a real Odd Couple fan. People can get copies of it at Amazon.com. We're getting ours. And the only other question is, I know, uh, was there much pushback from the network on things? You talked about making sure there's no thought that they were gay. Any other things that Gary Marshall... And there was some humor that got somewhat R-rated, double entendres and things that maybe were so hidden that the censor types wouldn't even see it. But was there anything that ever was discussed? You know, they never had overnight guests. The women never stayed right, over. Right. But they, they joked about it here and there. Was there ever anything that was tried and, and pushed back on? Or did they work around it? well enough the only times things were 
nixed by ABC were when they were too expensive. That, that sounds like network TV. In fact, the very famous tax, no, not not the tax one, the, the episode with the assume when you make an ass of oh, you and me. Oh, cl- cl- one of the many courtroom scenes that were yes, brilliant. Uh, yes, Tony, Tony loved doing those, and they tried to give him one every year because he loved doing those. But that one, there was supposed to have been a complete audience of uh, women who were supposed to say they had gone out with Jack Klugman, with, with uh, Oscar Madison. They were trying to get a bunch of women to stand up and yell something. Oh, that would have been hilarious. And it would have been like $5,000 more, and uh, ABC said no. And that's one of the few times they, they shot it down. If you look, there's just very few people in that courtroom that day. That's true. They were trying to get it fuller to have more effect, but uh, to, to no avail. It was, <laughs> Like I said, it was a cheaply done show, and that helped it survive. That was sort of done later in the final Seinfeld, which uh, revolved entirely around the courtroom, and they brought old characters back to denounce the Seinfeld uh, foursome as not good people. Um, right, so right. It sounds like that would have worked even better with Oscar, because he always had trouble. He was always trying to meet women, and he had trouble with exactly. gambling and other issues, so that would have been... Right. And even in, in Felix's cross-examination of him in that episode, he tries to demean him, um, and then later on tries to build him up as a positive, which of course is typical Felix. Well, that was the purpose of having more women in the courtroom when he was demeaning him they were going to stand up and <laughs> and and agree that it's, it's the night when he couldn't get a date yes and that's why so, he had and to and go and try be- to sell his ticket although they weren't trying to sell his ticket to the broadway show right uh, they were trying felix was trying to give it away and he was mistakenly uh, accused of trying to sell it and that well and, uh, and if you remember he was calling uh rhoda and, and other girls and couldn't get a date there were going to be a bunch of girls standing up saying, yeah, I, I turned him down. And that's what that scene was supposed to have been. There were going to be a, like a bunch of ladies standing up. Oh, I, I turned him down. I turned him down. I turned, And he just couldn't get the okay for that, budget-wise. Budgets make a big difference. Yes, they do. Which is why you were talking about Seinfeld. That's, it was such a successful show. They had a, a you know much bigger budget to, to work with stuff like that. Why are the budgets bigger now than back then? Is it just more money's being made on these shows? Or they have to spend more money because there's so much competition? It, because there's so much competition now yeah. with all these other channels that have popped up Netflix and Hulu and Epics and all these other there's so many shows being done uh, to really stand out you've, you've got to spend you've got to stand out and you've got to do it right and, uh, I, I get to see a lot of that because I do a lot of extra work and I, I see how much time and effort they put into each scene and how many retakes they are, there are and, and how many people are involved with large stats they have nowadays there's so many people milling around every episode is millions of dollars and they have to get it right. And that's also why a lot of shows won't make it unless they're a hit right away. Because right. there's a lot of money in these, and if they're not going to do well, we're not going to give them the time to Well, find the sponsors audience. start dropping out. Yeah, yeah they, they need that instant success. It's not like uh, 1982 when they gave Cheers, which was the bottom-rated show of the season. They gave it time to establish itself. Luckily, nowadays, that probably wouldn't happen. It was also the case, I believe, with All in the Family. All in the Family and uh, the Dick Van Dyke Show. First season with Dick Van Dyke show, they were technically canceled that first season. And Carl Reiner just went for a Hail Mary and went to the network and, and begged and pleaded and got another season. And uh, that's when it started to click in the second season. Same thing with All in the Family. It, it took a while to catch on. It was so radically different. I remember watching that first episode of All in the Family thinking, this is changing television. I'm watching television change before my very yeah. eyes. And I was just a kid, but I just knew this this was not, like nothing I had ever seen before. I was right. And the All in the Family is funny because there were, I believe, at least two pilots done with with different different people that never saw the light of day. I don't know if you probably read the Norman Lear book in recent years. It's really good. He goes into how many different
different uh, pilots were done with different actors, yeah, there was a different, different names. Gloria, a, a friend of mine, Candy Azara, who had been uh, in a bunch of shows, but she was the original Gloria. I have that pilot episode in my collection. It's funny to see that, uh, gee, I wonder why they didn't use her and, and chose Sally Struthers. What was it about? You wonder what goes on behind the scenes and, and for these final decisions. Somebody somebody got it right. And there was a different Mike and the same yes. Edith and Archie, though. And they had, a, I believe, in one of the pilots, his last name was Justice, not Bunker. You're right, you're right. Yes, it was. Um, yep. A lot of them are on YouTube. That's where I've seen them. And even mm-hmm. a little bit of a different home. And Norman Lear right. talks about in the his book about how difficult it was to get this show taken up because it was so controversial. It was so making fun of a lot of the audience. Uh, and they took a chance because one of the shows that I loved on CBS at the time, The Governor and JJ, was in its second season, but it wasn't doing as well in its second season. And CBS saw the opportunity, let's cancel this and bring on All in the Family. Let's Here's our opportunity to introduce this mid-season. And that's exactly what they did. I, I wasn't happy with the decision initially because I, I loved The Governor and JJ, but the uh, uh, I saw why they did it, and I uh, eventually uh, said, yeah, yeah, they did the right thing. Getting back to the odd couple, uh, for one more thing, there, as you said, there were many remakes. There was the female odd couple, but that was only on Broadway. Right, with Rita Moreno yeah. and Sally Struthers. Yeah, now that never got TV possibilities? No. Uh, it only it, it didn't do all that well on Broadway oh, either. Okay. It had a it had a decent run, but uh, it just didn't work as well. The, the script didn't work as well with with females because you know you don't think of women being floppy, and one right. of them had to be floppy. <laughs> it they, worked just worked. It worked better with a male character. Did they were they doing the original play? The original Neil Simon play and tr- yeah, they, I mean they had to it? take liberties and there was there was some different um, that's probably you wording. Think, you would think it might do okay if it was a sort of a different approach, female writers and making them not sloppy and neat, but making one maybe more loudmouth kind of uh, I don't want to say slutty woman because that's really not a fair <laughs> term these days, but maybe a little more of a of a partier type and the other one a little more buttoned up. That could be funny mm-hmm. and if you had women writers you could get into a lot of things that shows like Sex and the City got into and maybe that right, right. had a little bit of it. That yeah, had they done it differently, away. it might have worked a little yeah. better. But and then there was the. Seen it, I think it might be on YouTube, or at least a piece of it, with with uh, the the two stars I mentioned, Rita Moreno and Sally Struthers, and it just doesn't gel. It's not yeah. the same. It doesn't have the same dynamic. Rita Moreno wasn't she involved in a One Day at a Time reboot recently that I didn't yes, even yes, see? Absolutely. But it looked and she's difficult. she's amazing. She's she going to be eighty seven years old, yeah. and she's still spry. And <laughs> and she's what? She's one of the uh, actors who's won Grammy, Tony, Emmy. They Oscar. call him an egot. She's yeah. an egot. She's, She's one of the few egots out there. Yep. And still the going Emmy, strong. The Grammy, the Oscar, and the Tony. But of course, there was also the black odd couple, which was Ron Glass and Damon Wilson. Damon Wilson. And they, I think, suffered from the fact that, number one, it took place during the writer's strike, so they were using old scripts. Oh, yeah. Which seems very... <laughs> Uh, doomed from the beginning. What do you know about what into that one? Well, they and they they brought back some of the original writers uh, who who would come back, like Mark Rothman, who had written a lot of the episodes with uh, Lowell Gans in, in in the original incarnation on television. Uh, Gary Marshall was still involved. A couple of the problems with that show. Well, suddenly the Pigeon Sisters were back. It was just odd, the odd dynamic of the African American characters, but then Murray was still Caucasian. It, it was just a weird mix of stuff, and the using those same scripts, but not doing them as well, 
And Ron Glass would not buy into the Felix Unger character. He had a problem with dating of women on the show. They were trying to make him, again, much like the original version, they were trying to establish that these were two straight men living together. And Ron Glass just wouldn't buy into the... He didn't want to look stupid. He didn't want to look goofy on screen. And yet that is so much of what the Felix Unger character is. Sure. In fact, the original guys, uh, Klugman and Randall, would even ask the writers, make us look stupid. Make us look ridiculous. It works. Yeah. Ron Glass wouldn't wouldn't buy into that. He wanted to take it to a different dimension, and that's part of the problem why it uh, didn't work. He didn't buy into the Felix Unger character, where Demond Wilson was much more willing to be the sloppy Oscar. Uh, I have a a horrible story. Uh, I have an interview with Demond Wilson that never made the book. I had a bad experience with that man Ooh, <laughs> that I won't tell. go into. Oh, no, I, 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 I won't go into it, but, uh, yeah, I never got to use his quotes. That was not fun. That's the one time I've not been able to use somebody's quotes. Oh, my gosh, why? Were they just uh, too... Not a, not a nice man. <laughs> oh, that would make more interesting quotes, yeah. I would think. Yeah, he got Angry? belligerent. Oh, wow. Towards the, towards the end of the interview, because I, I, I have no idea why, hmm. but I don't know if I was, I was painting him in a, in a bad light, but I wasn't. I was just using his own quote, and it, it just, I finally had to say, that's enough. <laughs> I've done four or five rewrites on this. I'm never going to make you happy. Yeah. Uh, let's, I'm not using your quotes. That was the end of that, end of story. Oh, you had yeah, interviewed him, and then you were writing the book, and you went back to yes, yes, run, the, I was, run them by at, him to fact check? At first, and... he was willing to do it, and then he, oh. he got more and more weird about it. I'm using your own quote. I, I never understood what went wrong, what soured that interview, but uh, yeah, that was not a pleasant experience. Did you interview him on the phone or in person? It was supposed to be on, on the phone, and then mm-hmm. it went to Facebook, and then it went to huh. email, and then it just went south. It was <laughs> Interesting. Did he seem but to I've have heard a... This from, I've heard this mm-hmm. from other people, uh, uh, a lot of other radio people who've tried to interview him, and it, it's, it's difficult. I don't, I don't know what it is. He would keep, keep making these Sanford and Son references. Right, because that was his Where he was show. the star of the show, and oh. Red Fox was on his coattails. Oh, wow. Oh, ridiculous. How do you answer that? <laughs> yeah. But he was also in a, uh, he was not in an All in the uh, Odd Couple, he was in All in the Family, one of the better All in the Families. Yes, yes. Keep going back to that, where he and uh, Cleveland Little were thieves, mm-hmm. and they break into the bunker house to hide out. Oh, I remember that, yeah. That's one of the very, I think that was one of the best episodes, mm-hmm. because... It talked about the, here's these two black men who, and you start to sort of feel sorry for them because they talk about what rough lives they've had. Oh yeah, they joke about it, which is really interesting. So he obviously carried his Sanford and Son humor into this show, and then did he seem like he liked the Odd Couple remake he was in, or was he not a fan of how it came out? Plus, it didn't last you know, that long either. No, no, it only lasted like uh, well, it, it, they made 16 episodes and they aired like 12 or 13, yeah. and then they brought it back mid-season to burn off the other episodes. Right. But, uh, he also had another series called Baby, I'm Back that didn't work. But did he seem to like the Odd Couple revival? Didn't sound like he didn't enjoy it, yeah. but... Uh, he just didn't like being interviewed, probably. Yeah. You know, he was, he was a, I guess he still is, he's a preacher nowadays. Huh. I originally found him through Facebook, and it, it's just amazing that the transition from the original, yeah, sure, I'll get you some quotes, to <laughs> how 
badly it ended. I've never had that happen with anybody. And most of the people I've interviewed over the years for all my books, either the music books or the TV book, have remained friends. I get Christmas cards from these people. <laughs> they keep fun. in touch via email. They keep in touch on Facebook. So I, I still, it still perplexes me whatever went wrong there. But yeah. I've heard from other people that it does happen. It's with him. The I treat. feel better knowing it's not me. <laughs> there you go. I'm sure it's it's more him. The only other yeah. thing I wanted to ask is you, we mentioned the most most recent revival, the Matthew Perry, uh, Thomas Lennon. That only lasted three seasons? Three short seasons, mm. yeah, and, and they took a lot of liberties with the characters. Yes. Uh, there was no Murray. Right. They had, uh, he, he was a, a sports caster. Right, which would seem to be a good way to update it. He did a sports yeah. talk show, but they didn't really use that very often. No, they didn't. Uh, they didn't use it uh, beneficially, and he had, a, he had an agent that was uh, the Wendell Pierce character. Right. There was another young character that, uh, a couple of young I guess just just to, for the demographic, he had a younger girlfriend, and there was a I forget the name of the character, a young sport, a guy who had been in baseball, who was right. a friend of theirs, who would always wind up in the living room with them. But I, yeah, I guess that was, they were going for a younger demo because just to introduce the young people to the odd couple premise who hadn't seen the original. And it, you know, the show actually got better. I didn't like it, it did. at first. It seemed to kind of be finding itself in the second and third season, but uh, it didn't make it. But it, it was starting to work. I was starting to like it. And the Thomas Lennon character, I thought, was really Yes, good. he did a good job, yeah. I, I never bought into Matthew Perry as Oscar. He wasn't Oscar enough. No, nah, he wasn't. <laughs> he came off like the Matthew Perry character on Friends trying to be Oscar. Which rather would have than made a him. better Felix, because yeah. he was... Finicky on yeah. Friends. Yes. When I first heard that he wanted to do The Odd Couple and a remake, I said, oh, he's going to be the perfect Felix. Right. And no. <laughs> and I think that's part of why it didn't work. I just yeah. never bought him as the Oscar character. And I think one of the things that always ruins these shows is when they consummate the sexual tension and uh, the Felix character and the waitress girlfriend yeah, were yeah. always sort of she always liked him and never really said anything and then when they got together that, that yep. I think ruined it on Frasier with exactly with the Frasier's brother getting yes, together with, with Daphne. Daphne you can count the sh you could probably do a book on that shows that have been ruined by uh, people hooking oh absolutely yeah back to uh, yeah, back to Mork and Mindy even uh, talking about <laughs> right, Gary right, Marshall right. when uh they they got married and had a baby, and then that got all crazy. But one thing Luckily, I did like, Cheers never went there. Cheers never went there with uh, with uh, Sam and Diane. They almost did, and then they they she they kind of had a love hate. Yeah. Yes, yes. That was a really uh, interesting character description because they were so different. She was yes. intellectual, and he right. was kind of a not the dumb jock, but a kind of a dim jock, maybe. Exactly. Um, exactly. And very different but people. It was a physical. It was a purely yes. physical attraction. But also, I liked the fact that in the Odd Couple. When Gary Marshall died, I thought they did a really nice tribute to him. And yes, and he was actually characters. on one episode playing the dad, which was Yes, but that tribute was a great kind of um, homage to all the other shows, Happy Days and Mork and Mindy. Right, and Penny Marshall was on it, yes. yes. That was really, I think, interesting. I, must have, I wonder how hard that was to bring together, all those stars. And even Ron Howard phoned in a, a, a cameo, which would be unusual It had to have been him. expensive. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was nice, nicely done. Well, I appreciate we've been talking to Bob Leschak, author of The Odd Couple on Stage and Screen, A History with Cast and Crew, Profiles, and an Episode Guide. But, of course, you've done many other books. We want to have you back to talk about some of these single-season sitcom guides and, and backgrounders, because those are really interesting for a TV. TV junkies like us who, you know, it's a great reminder of how many shows don't make it and why, and there's not always a 
good reason. It, sometimes we were talking about just giving a show a chance, and that doesn't happen a lot today, but even back in the day, was there a writer who was mad? Was there a, an actor who just didn't work well with the director? Was the time slot bad? And we would love to have you There's back on. a million on. factors, exactly. And you can, of course, you can get The Odd Couple book on Amazon.com. Uh, many, uh, many versions out there and uh, other places with vintage books. It's not that vintage. It's only a couple years old. Even though the right, still available matters, uh, wherever books are sold online. That, that's the place to get them. And, of course, let's give a plug to your uh, radio world. You're uh, also Bob O'Brien. You do on-air voiceovers, and you also host radio shows where and when. Two different New Jersey stations for the same company, Town Square Media. One of them is 101.5 FM. They are talk during the week, but uh, on, on weekends the music comes out to play. Yes. And we play 70s, 80s, and 90s music on that station. And every weekday from 1 until 7 in the afternoon, I'm on their sister station, Beach Radio, playing the 50s, 60s, and 70s music. And, of course, we can find more on you at bobobrien.tv. That's correct. Has a lot of great or on my Facebook page. Which and on Facebook. Brian, my, my face is in, uh, inside of a record. Because there's several Bob O'Briens on there, and it's spelled with an E, Bob O'Brien, B-R-I-E-N. Good to know, and thanks for talking, Odd Couple. This gives us some great insight. If people haven't seen the book, go get it. It'll make your viewing that much more interesting to know the background, and we will have you back on to talk about some of the other interesting uh, vintage sitcom stories. But I'd uh, love to. Until then, thank you for your time, sir, and be well. Thank you, and we'll talk soon. Excellent. Hang in there. Have a great holiday. You too. And that's it for this week's edition of The Retro Room. I want to thank Bob for joining us and talking Odd Couple. Remember my book, Killing Journalism, How Greed, Laziness, and Donald Trump Are Destroying News and How We Can Save It is up on Amazon.com, both in the Kindle form and print. It'll be in your bookstores soon. If it's not, ask your local bookstore to access it, and we'll get you a print copy. But check it out and learn what's going on with the news media today. And don't forget to support our sponsor. That's Jiminy's Dog Treats, Cricket Protein that's hypoallergenic, Humane, nutritious, delicious, and fights climate change. Reduce your carbon paw print with Jiminy's at Jiminy's.com, J-I-M-I-N-Y-S.com. And thank you for joining us. Tune in next week for another edition of The Retro Room. Thanks for listening.